Good morning, everybody. Welcome into 104.3 The Fans Coffee Break. Jake Shapiro, Rachel V. Hill, hanging out with you on this Thursday. And my goodness, it feels like it's been a really, really long week, Jake. And I think that's just because we're getting into the dog days of training camp, like everybody says. We may not be practicing. We're still offering to cover this team. We've, we've taken the mental hits. Maybe not the physical hits, but we've we've been there for the mental hits. No, absolutely, 100%. Well, Dove Valley looks to be popping today with the hill looking nice and full out there. We're going to show you a picture here in just a quick second. It looks like it's a beautiful day out there. Blue skies, a few clouds you can see in the back, but a nice full hill, like I said. And there's the wide receiver group. You know, really, it's kind of getting a little depleted. We're going to get into that here in just a little bit. But still, one that's going to have to step up with Russell Wilson now is their QB, Jake. Yeah, I'm looking at one of the wide receivers who's got long sleeves on on what is going to be a very hot day. You say, mm, I say, good job, because look at, look at this. I get, I get burned skin. easily. Yeah, protect your skin here in Colorado. You don't want to be looking old and too young of an age. So good job to whoever that is. Uh, your mom will be very happy with you. Um, but yeah, you Jake, know. Real quick, what's the worst sunburn you've ever got? Uh, like. Like really peeling, blistered sunburn. Okay. Um, well, the worst one, there was actually one really earlier this year. I was at a Rockies game and I was wearing short shorts because that's what's in nowadays. And uh, I was sitting you know, with my legs a little up and my like the inside of my knees got like blister, blistered, burned. But I would say the worst one was last year I was kind of halfway living in Phoenix and I was down there like near spring training. And uh I got burnt so bad just being outside in Phoenix for like maybe a couple hours. I wasn't even doing anything really. I was just at the park or something. And, you know, like every part of my body was burnt. I was wearing like a a tank top. So it's just, and it hurt so much. And this is a good tip that I learned from it. If you get burnt really bad, make a cup of black tea, like a pot of black tea, put it in the fridge and then take the tea bag once it's cooled down and apply it to your burns, and it will take some of the sting out because of the natural re- remedy. So, uh, of course, you've got the aloe, but you also got the black tea. Okay, Jake, with the hot tips coming in on this Thursday. So the worst one I ever got, and I actually think it came this year, was I was in Mexico celebrating my anniversary. And I'm not kidding, Jake. It, the burn wasn't actually that bad, but any time the sun touched it, I felt like my leg was going to fall off. That's how bad it was. But I always think, um, I think I was in middle school and a girlfriend of mine, she went out to like our county or um, city, like state fair that we had Mm -hmm. and her sunburn got so bad that it turned like a rubber tirey feel. And I just, it was on her cheeks and I'll just never forget that. I felt so bad for her. It was, it was such a bad sunburn. It's like a second degree burn at that point. And for those of you who don't think Rachel gets sunburned, go back and watch coffee break about last week. (laughs) Saturday, I was burned two hours out in the sun. (laughs) It definitely, definitely happened. So I guess, yeah, props to them. I couldn't imagine wearing long sleeves. Some of the players wear hoodies underneath their stuff. 
I can't imagine doing that. But there's a few players that are not practicing today, actually, Kendall Hinton being one of them, which kind of leaves a bit of concern when I talked about that depleted um, wide receiver group now, because obviously Tim Patrick is done. Kendall Hinton's not out there. He's dealing with a knee issue. Tyree Cleveland, he was hit in the throat on Monday, thanks to Troy over there. Um, Kareem Jackson not practicing, but Eric Delilah did say, judging by his huge smile walking onto the field, it's a vet day. And then Troy also said DJ Jones, Kaden Stern's not out there. So a few question marks, things we'll have to, you know, figure out what's going on. But first, let's go to the vet day. Should there be a vet day in training camp, Jake? And you and I, we differ on this because you're like, no, I don't care what happens during practice or during the week. I just want to see you out there in games. But for training camp, what's your thoughts? Yeah, I think that the more you can protect the veterans who are probably a little bit more likely to get injured, the better. Uh, they also know what they need. If you're if you've been in the league for five plus years, you know, hey, I need this to get ready for the season. This is I kind of don't need. And every study that's ever been done has shown the more time off you take and the more you take care of the brain, the better your body's going to be. So even if Kareem Jackson's just at home sleeping an extra couple hours and then comes in and then maybe does some film work, that's going to be more beneficial to him than doing, you know, some drills that he's out there going, why am I doing this? I've known this for years and years. So um, as long as he's not missing out on anything that could be necessary or part of the game plan, which honestly, if you're a defensive player, the game plan is always just stop the other person. So, uh, I mean, there's obviously intricacies in that one, but like, you know, it, it's not much deeper than that. It's like, hey, don't let them catch the ball. Go tackle them. Like, so, uh, you know, as long as he feels good, I think I think that's a good thing to do. Um, now, there's a reason why Russell Wilson doesn't take, you know, veteran days. It's because every single day there's something to work on at the quarterback position. It's something harder. But we're going to hear from Brandon McManus later in the show. Brandon McManus doesn't even need training camp. He, You know, he could just roll in for the preseason games. Brandon McManus is so funny. One, he's fantastic on 104.3. You know, he jumps on all the time. And we actually have a coworker. His name is Kevin Kisner. And he's built this relationship with Brandon McManus over the years where he now keeps Brandon McManus on like point where he makes sure he marks down all the field goals he made, all the kicks that he made, anything like that. I think there's like a fun joke going on between the two of them, which you really love to see. But yeah, let's kind of get into Brandon McManus here, Jake, because he wants to play for a very, very, very long time. So we'll go ahead and take a listen as he joined Stokely and Zach yesterday. Brandon McManus joining us. How much longer? I mean, you, you this is a run, man. Eight, eight years of one organization. You probably top five or six at your position with one organization. How much longer do you want to do this? Is, is there any end in sight? Uh, not necessarily. We keep being a kicker as long as you're playing well. You can play for a long time. I don't know if I'll go into those vinitary type ages and years, but – uh, you know, currently, you know, I, I think I just saw an article. Someone did the math that I'm eight and a half seasons away from Elam and, and trying wow. to track him down. Wow. So, you know, that'd be a cool goal to get to that point. Um, you know, I didn't grow up a Broncos fan, but I always watched him being a kicker myself. And so to, to get to that category would be pretty cool. Elam was such a legend. I can remember so many times where we were just praying that Jason Elam would go out there. And usually he always drained it right down the middle. It was so good. But Brandon McManus, do you think he can kind of take this points record that he wants to chase Jake? Or do you think he'll hang it up eventually? You said eight and a half years. And, and he said, I'm not going to be Adam Vinatieri, but I'm just going to give you the Vinatieri comp. 
Adam Minateri started playing for the Patriots at age 24. He left the Patriots at age 33. And we all thought he was kind of dumb. That, that's, a, that's a reasonable, you know, NFL kicking career, 10 years. Brandon McManus joined the Broncos at age 23. So about the same age. He is 31. He's going to be 31 this season. So he could have in, a, you know, this season, next season, the same tenure Vinatieri had with the Patriots. Now, Vinatieri went on to play, Rachel, do you know this answer? How many seasons? 14 seasons with the Indianapolis Colts till age 47. Now, I think when Brandon McManus says, I'm not going to be a Vinatieri type, he means I'm not going to play 44, 45, 46, 47. Could mm-hmm. I see Brandon McManus playing till his late 30s, perhaps even to 40? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he said eight and a half years. So that's around a target date of 40. So, you know, McManus might be the player that not only connects the, the Manning era to the Wilson era, but the Wilson era to whatever's next, quite honestly. Um, and, you know, like he said, as long as he's kicking good, And the only thing that I could see that really runs him out of the league, unless it's poor performance, which I don't expect from Brandon McManus, because like Elam, he's straight down the middle and he's got some boot. He can kick it from deep, right? He has a 61 field goal, a 61 yard field goal, I think is his career long, Mm -hmm. is if more of these Justin Tucker types start coming into the league where all of a sudden the, the accuracy and the strength involved in kicking completely changes, which it has done about every 15 to 20 years in the NFL. There's a new wave of kickers that become greater and greater. So if all of a sudden you can get kickers who from you know 50 yards out aren't 70%, but 75, 80%, that's when you would see McManus run out of the league. Okay, I like it. Do we remember how long was the longest field goal this year? Justin Tucker, I think it was 63, but uh, it was 69. It was 69, right. I wanted to say 65. The record for forever was 61 or 62, and then it went up to 69. So he killed that record. I remember that, too. That was a crazy game. The highlight was was everywhere. Yeah, that was one of those you can't forget where you were. Like, you Mm -hmm. know, people some for some people, it's the moon landing. For me, it's Justin Tucker's 69-yard field. Yeah, there you go, Jake. Um, our very own Will Peterson said, Nuggets GM Calvin Booth is out at Broncos training camp today. Um, his ex-boss, Tim Connolly, was out there last week. He jumped on with Stokely and Zach, too. But nice to see Calvin Booth getting out there, Jake. I'm liking the, like, contrast we're seeing between both, like, all the teams kind of supporting each other. Yeah, uh, it's funny because if you ask anyone in these front offices, uh, obviously Nuggets and Avs are always going to support each other because they're sister teams and same as the Rapids. But if you ask anyone off the record in these front offices, it's better if you are the Nuggets for the Rockies to lose and be a joke. Like these teams are actively rooting against each other because there's a market share. Like the fans can only give you so much attention and you don't want to be the the worst one, according to the media. So Mm -hmm. it's fun to see them interact. Um, Calvin Booth can bounce some ideas off of – you know, maybe George Payton or something like that. I, I, I'm friends with a former general manager of a baseball team, and he always had me uh, actually have me and my contacts meet with him and his contacts. So it was like he always wanted to meet the GM of the Rapids, who obviously I know very well because, you know, I covered the Rapids for a while. So he was always like this baseball GM and this the soccer GM. They wanted to, like, connect and, like, kind of bounce ideas off each other because even though the sports are vastly different, the player management aspects and the ideas you can garner are very similar. 
No, 100%. Yeah, look at you with the contacts over there. I didn't want to name drop. I didn't name drop anyone. I did that on purpose. I don't want to be that guy. I mean, technically, you semi name dropped Borg. Well, I mean, I feel like no one watching the show knows who that is. So that might be a little easier. Uh, But hopefully, Borg. You got a good day cooking because it is the end of the window today, uh, the transfer window in MLS, and I'd like to see my pits make another move or two. Ooh, I like it. I like it, Jake. Okay, well, let's go into Broncos adding a signing this morning at wide receiver, too. And ooh, look at that graphic. We love to see those kind of things. Uh, Darius Shepard is coming over. He actually was part of when Hackett was in Green Bay. He was the offensive coordinator. So somebody Nathaniel Hackett is very familiar with. And this might be helping with the signing of Tim Patrick. I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, Darius Shepard doesn't turn out to be the big player that they needed to fill Tim Patrick's role, that they bring in someone else though Jake yeah I'm with you I think they could bring in Shepard who they've already brought in and another player um one of those guys we've been talking about the last few days whether that's Cole Beasley Odell Beckham Jr even Emmanuel Sanders now I did like Cecil Lammy's point on training camp live the other day which was you know Tim Patrick was a big body they might want a big bodied receiver um and that might be the, the main replacement. Some of the guys I was just talking about, you know, with, with Cole Beasley and Emmanuel Sanders, they're a little bit smaller. So uh, some of them, some of the targets the, that are left on the NFL free agency market for wide receivers like John Ross are smaller, faster receivers. So uh, mm-hmm. I think there are ways to go with this. But you also heard Andrew Mason on Training Camp Live talking about you only have so much money you can spend in the future. So some of these smaller moves and maybe you, you take a swing on a guy that was in the USFL and you hit on him. That's a low risk, high reward play compared Mm -hmm. to, you know, some of these Odell Beckham jr. Types. I can't even imagine if OBJ would come to the Broncos. Like that just doesn't click with my brain and the amount of money I think you would have to do to get OBJ is just, not worth it either. I know he he was before okay. in the Super Bowl before he got hurt. He would have been MVP, but it just doesn't click in my brain, Jake. So here's the thing with that: Would you want? I think he's 28, 29. Odell Beckham Jr. three four year deal. Okay. He would be the obvious number one wide receiver for the rest of Russell Wilson's this this first contract and part of his next contract. So I think of OBJ as not just a Tim Patrick placement, but Jerry Judy's out of contract soon, right? Odell Beckham Jr. could be the number one wide receiver for the Broncos for years to come. And the reason he could be is because they've already got Cortland Sutton and Tim Patrick on cheap deals. So you can all of a sudden start changing your formations from a two wide receiver set to a three wide receiver set because you haven't been able to get any tight ends in here since Shannon Sharp left and Julius Thomas, like I guess was a, a little couple of era there, but you have three great wide receivers if you have Odell Beckham Jr., Tim Patrick, and Cortland Sutton, and then the rest will figure itself out. Maybe Jerry Judy turns into something. You could always trade one. But I I look at that as saying, hey, we could get a star player here. And, yes, Russell Wilson is a star player that has made the Broncos nationally relevant again. But you want to talk about, like, nationally you need to watch this team. It's a circus. Odell Beckham Jr. and Russell Wilson do that for you. Okay. You know what, Jake? I'm not going to lie. Love having you on for these exact reasons because that is quite the info too. And it's a different take than what I've taken, right? I've just been looking at kind of what we've all talked about. Jerry, Judy, if he's a bust, we're not going to do another contract. If he's great, boom. But could you even possibly trade him? 
I know with not with OBJ because obviously he's a free agent, but is Jerry Judy somebody that you try to get rid of to maybe gain a little bit of cap space? I I wouldn't. I know he's not on a huge contract, but right, he's not really costing you cap space. It would be down the line if you do indeed sign him or tag him and then trade him later on. Uh, I mm-hmm. wouldn't trade him this year because his value is about as low as it possibly could. You might get a fourth round pick for him or something like that. That's not worth Jerry Judy. Uh, The Jerry Judy we know and how talented he could be. You would rather hold on to him, hope he has this great year. And then at the very worst, you're tagging him for next year. And then if you still can't make it work with the budget and stuff, then maybe you're trading him for, you know, a second round pick or something like that. So it always makes sense to trade your assets at their highest value rather than dumping them at their lowest. And right now uh, you either have a great wide receiver in Jerry Judy that you're waiting for him to be great again, or it's never going to happen and you're not going to get anything for him anyway. True. I guess I just always look at it as everyone is so high on Jerry Judy, right? We talked about the potential, Jake. I'm not that high on Jerry Judy, but a lot of other people are. So maybe they can see it more. And um, I do want to point out, Troy said, OBJ is a cancer in the locker room. Even all the skill doesn't make up for that. How do you know that? Have you been in the locker room with OBJ? Oh, Jake calling you out, Troy. Jake calling you out, but... I don't understand where these narratives come from. Yes, I understand that OBJ gives off selfish vibes because of what he does on social media. And also, he's kind of a weird dude. But if Russell Wilson is truly the leader we think he is, like, that shouldn't be a problem for Russell Wilson. Matt Stafford figured it out. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, Well, I do want to do, because you mentioned Russell Wilson, it sounds like Drew Locke's taking a little bit of a – Uh, elbow a little bit of a a hit at Russell Wilson so we'll go ahead and take a listen to his press conference not a huge show that I'm working kind of guy on social media you just better assume that I am because I am short and sweet but he doesn't show that he's working out on social media which is actually funny because I'm pretty sure I've seen Drew Locke post on his Instagram story when he was in Denver of him working out so feel like if you're going to say that you should make sure your um, slate is clean but is he taking a shot at Russ or is he just saying that because no one thinks he can do anything this year Jake I think yes and yes like it's part one thing part the other thing uh mm-hmm. I don't really think it's a huge shot at Russ uh because you know every workout guy I've ever met in your life or if you're a woman and you go on tinder any workout person you've ever seen on that app like they love to post about workouts and talk about their workouts. Um, it's actually shocking when you meet someone who works out, who doesn't talk about it and that's their entire personality. So who cares? Like, like, like if you're working out, you're posting about it. So I am more inclined to think Drew Locke is not working out because he's not posting about it. than Russell Wilson, who is always posting about it. But who's the bigger name between Russ and Drew. Oh, like Russ. Russ has built the brand because he does showcase that. Yeah, he needs he needs content too. Like what? I mean, we we sat here the entire month of July thinking, what are we going to post about? Russell Wilson's whole social media team is having the same problem. Okay, you're not wrong, Jake. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. Okay, let's get into, though, because I know we got a lot of Nuggets fans on here. In fact, Sandler says, go Nuggets fans from number one fan in Wisconsin. What's up, Sandler? Thanks for hanging out with us this morning. So let's get into a little bit of Denver Nugget basketball. All right. What are these Nuggets up to? Let's start with Jamal Murray. Lots of questions about after um, 
Coach Malone said, hey, you know, he's not going to be full minutes at the beginning of the season. A lot of people wondering, hey, did he have a setback? What's going on? Well, he just wants you to know that he's lifting weights, so you don't even have to worry about it. So we'll go ahead and take a watch. Let's see. Jamal Murray. Oh, there we go. 945 pounds right there for Jamal Murray. See? Workout guy posting a workout video. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, I don't, I don't think, I mean, I could 94.5 pounds, but like, I, like that is a lot of weight. And also it's a really good, uh, it's amazing. It's a really good sign too, because that was, you know, the biggest issue with Jamal is the leg. And if he's got the strength to push that up, like that's really impressive. I legitimately don't think I could ever do that. I I don't think think you could pay me whatever Jamal Murray's salary is. And I, I couldn't do that. I think that at the peak of my like working out days when I was playing like baseball at a pretty high level and high school and travel and all that, I could mm-hmm. probably get up to five or six with the yeah. leg press. I have massive legs for how small I am. But again, that's like shocking to hear a normal person be able to do that. That's why Jamal Murray is an almost all NBA player because the athleticism is absurd. Um, and it is, again, it is really good to see that because that's the weak spot. It's not like, oh, he's just hitting some jumpers or he's, you know, or he's out there dribbling. Like that is putting stress on the problem spot. And from what we know with Jamal, it's not that much of a problem spot at this point. It's just a confidence thing. Um, mm-hmm. So I really, really want to see a healthy Jamal Murray because, and this is the stat for you, Rachel, Nikola Jokic is the only MVP, let alone two-time MVP, at the age of 27 who has never played with another all-star. Only one in NBA history. So Jamal Murray, all-star caliber player, phenomenal player. Even an all-NBA caliber player when he is fully healthy, I think he was on the edge of being an all-NBA player towards right when he suffered that ACL injury. If Jamal Murray can come out out of the starting blocks, and I know he's going to have maintenance days, but be what he was mm-hmm. two seasons ago in 2020, 2021, whatever year that was, right, before he tore his ACL, I think the Nuggets have their all-star pairing back. And I think that's what people forget about is Jamal Murray and Nicole Jokic, you're not just getting Jamal Murray back and it's like you're adding 20 points and seven assists or whatever it's going to be. You're getting back the, two, the best two-man pairing and the best – teammate couple pairing in the sport nobody works better than these two and what Jamal Murray does for Nikola Jokic is going to make Nikola Jokic so much better so I just as a Nuggets fan rocking the Jamal Murray shirt right now am very very excited to see Jamal Murray back on the floor because he is one of my favorite Nuggets of all time and I know how hard he works and I knew the moment he went down with that ACL injury I said I can bet you any amount of money that Jamal Murray is going to come back a better player than what he was because of the work he does and how hard-headed he is. And Mm -hmm. I still, to this day, think Jamal Murray is going to come back an even better player than what he was before this injury. All right, Jake, I'm going to call this, and I'm even going to write it down that way. At the end of the season, I know. what If you had to guess, what does Jamal Murray average this season? So Jamal Murray at the end of 2020, 2021 was just regular season, no playoffs. Um, so I'm going to guess he only plays 65 games, which I think is even aggressive at that. 
he used to play about 80 games a year, like early on in this career. He was an Ironman guy. I'm going to say he, he bumps up his career scoring average from 16.3 points a game and 21.2 at the end of his before he tore his ACL. I'm going to say he goes 23 and a half. I'll say 23 and a half. And I'm also going to add on, he's going to go from 4.8 assists to about five and a half too. He's going to bump that number up. And that's all star right there. As long as he's shooting well, which, you know, he's always shot very well. All right. Well, I'm keeping that on my desk here at the end of the season come April. I think that's when playoffs will start this year. Um, we're definitely going to look back on that. Uh, if you have any idea on what you think Jamal Murray will shoot this year, please drop it in the comments. I will keep all of you up to date too on that. Um, so let's go into MPJ now though. Yeah, Robert, any good news on MPJ, please? Well, Robert, I have good news because it looks like he's working out and he's looking better than ever. MPJ hitting the court. Um, looks like he's in Mizzou at the Mizzou courts out there. And Jake, he's looking good. You got to say now again, of course, they're going to show all the highlights on these kind of real clips, but he looks pretty good. Yeah. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. playing more in this video for the University of Missouri than he actually did when he was at Missouri because he was hurt. Um, but I really love Michael Porter Jr. when he is healthy, which most of his career, he missed his rookie season. He missed most of last season. It's been a struggle. He's only really played two seasons. But in that season, he was healthy 2020, 2021, where he was, I think, 22 years old. It was the most efficient scoring of 19 or more points per game from a 22-year-old from anyone in basketball history besides Wilt Chamberlain. So this guy is an historic shooter and historic score in terms of efficiency when he is healthy. And you pair that with Nicole Yoke and Jamal Murray. And I was on a podcast talking about this yesterday, Rachel. Um, the thing is about this Nuggets team is, we have not seen this core four of Aaron Gordon, Murray, Porter, and Jokic aside for three games. And they've mm -hmm. been together technically for like two years now. And those few games we saw them right after the Gordon trade when they weren't even gelled or anything was the best basketball I have seen in Nuggets history. That was the greatest team I have ever seen was just that week of Nuggets basketball. So I am so excited, even though if you ask me what I would give their offseason in terms of grade, I'd probably say a B minus. I'm so excited to get this team back on the court. And I, I just it's hard to measure the impact that Porter and Murray can both have towards this team and Jokic himself when most of the players in the Nuggets roster from last year who were playing in the playoffs are either not on the Nuggets roster, are still in free agency, or are going to be playing overseas. That's how weak that roster was last year. And now you have two all-star caliber players, MPJ, if it all goes right. Murray, you know, was right there before the injury. Coming back into your lineup, and of course you've got Bones, who had a great rookie season. Bones hasn't played a game with Jamal Murray yet. Yeah. I think Bones only overlapped with Porter for a game or two because Bones didn't start early on in the season, and Porter did. Uh, mm -hmm. Porter got hurt right away. So, we have not seen any incarnation of this Nuggets team. Bruce Brown, KCP hasn't played with any of these guys. Jeff Green hasn't even played with Jamal Murray. He's been here for forever. So we're going to see some interesting stuff early on in this Nuggets season. Okay. Who's going to have more points this season? Actually, let's go in the first like two months of the season. MPJ or Bounds? Who's going to have more points like per game or overall? Yeah, per game. Okay. Per game, I would say MPJ. Ooh, okay. um, uh, I think 
the last 20 games of last year, which were Bones Highland on fire time, he was only averaging 14 points per game, which is great coming off the bench. And but we've talked about how much he has to step up now that Monte Morris is no longer with this team. Yeah, but 14 points per game is a lot. Like the best season Jamal Mur- uh, Michael Porter had again was right before the back injury. He had 19 points per game. That's a lot of points. So mm-hmm. uh, if MPJ is getting 16 points per game and Bones bumps up his season average from, I think he averaged 10 last year, but again, last 2014, if he's consistently 15, again, you're saying Michael Porter Jr. makes one less three per game than he was right before the back injury. So you go from 19 to 16 and you're saying Bones Highland is making two more threes per game and you're still not at the numbers. So that's how good Michael Porter Jr. was is that you have to take away multiple threes per game from him to get back down to Bones' number. So I would, I would bet right now that MPJ is going to score more points per game. Now, if you said who scores more points in general over the first you know, two, two and a half months of the season, I'd probably go with Bones just because I think like with Murray, you're going to see some maintenance days with Porter. Okay, okay. And what's Busy Bones up to, Jake? Oh, man, is he up to something? He, He's always. Had, oh, my God. He, he, he was playing in a pro-am game out in Maryland in the Brunson League uh, earlier this week or late last week. He put up 62 points of his team 79. Uh, he had this ridiculous layup that we're showing now. I think it plays again here uh, where he just cooked a man on a crossover and then went in with the reverse style layup with his hand and off the glass. Just beautiful. Uh, I, I think that, you know, Bones is having a good offseason. He's doing what he's supposed to do. I think he's getting a little bit bigger in terms of weight. Uh, he's going to be a very exciting player to watch next year. A lot of pressure is going to be on him, no doubt but he's a man for the pressure. Like he's got the right attitude for it. So I'm really excited to see him and he's just the best person too. Like he's a great person. The reason why he didn't have more points in that game is because he found out someone had passed away who actually held that record for the league's pro-am at 63 points. So when he got to 62, he heard about it and he checked himself out of the game because he didn't want to disrespect the debt. Like that's awesome. How many, what 22 year olds, 21 year olds understand life like that? Very Mm -hmm. few. So I've got all the faith in Bones. I will be the biggest Bones fan no matter what happens this year because he just seems like a good dude. I mean, Robert literally yeah, just said a friend of the show. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Busy Bones is a friend of the show. We love having him on. Uh, but Robert did say it was nice to see him not take the point record that day because the guy who had the record passed away. So, yeah, just what Jake was speaking on. Did Bones ever find his dog? Uh, I have not heard about that. So I think that might be a sore subject. Oh, yeah. well, hopefully Busy Bone can one day find his dog. I know we thought we had a lead here at DeverFan.com, but we have not seen anything updating that. But all right, Jake, as always, love hanging out with you. I'm headed out to training camp. That means we will have training camp live at 530 today with myself, Cecil, and Mace. Make sure you come hang out as we break down everything you need to know about practice today. And if not, we will see you guys tomorrow at uh, 1030 a.m. for another episode of Coffee Break. We will see you guys then. Bye, everyone.